Hello and welcome to Force Feedback, the show where we talk in chairs about video games. I'm your host, Dan Video Games, and with me is Bob Chocobos, <laughs> Dr. Agro, Garuda, and Chris Wolfhard. I like Attack on Titan. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, I, uh, oh, right. I'm supposed to say my own. Uh, Clive's chest is much like my own. But that's right. We're here to talk about Final Fantasy 16, the hot new exclusive from- Game code provided by Square Enix. Okay, half of us got a game code, but you know, we, we have to play that at the beginning if we get the game code from Square Enix. You can figure out which half of us did or did not. If you've never watched an episode of Force Feedback before, here's what's going to happen. We're going to do an opening, much like our spoiler cast, where we briefly summarize in a couple of sentences how we feel about the game, and then make uh, some sort of emotional sound to communicate that. Once we're done doing that, we're going to start digging in with the discussion, and at the end, you're going to get our number scores and our final thoughts. So let's get to it. We're going to go ahead and start with Dr. Agro. Final Fantasy 16 was um, $70. It sure was. <laughs> it's going to be really hard for them to guess who. <laughs> you got a sound? <laughs> was it sure was your sound? <laughs> hey. Oh. Next, we're going to go to Chris Wolfhard. Final Fantasy 16 is a game that has some really cool parts. Uh, it also has literally nothing that I wanted in a Final Fantasy game in it at all. And uh, I didn't really think what it brought to the table made up for not having any of those things in it. So I'm going to give it a... Uh... Final Fantasy 16 is a game I expected to be on my top 10 list for this game of the year. I thought it was a real certainty with the sort of experiences I've had from Square Enix at their high end somewhat recently. I genuinely expected this is gonna be it. There's not gonna be any time ghost baggage. There's not gonna be anything else. This should be pretty cool. I can easily see this hitting my number 10. Mm. And Bob. I genuinely have trouble thinking of anything I like in this game. I'm gonna give it a... Oh. Uh, you sounded like Clive for a second there. That was, <laughs> that was really cool. I'm gonna give it... <laughs> the interesting thing about this game, the thing that makes it very, very different from every other high-profile, like, even product from Square, even including Forspoken, is that this game really is divided into these moments that are hyper-linear, very high-budget, hyper-polished visually, sort of like sequences that are action games, and then the big open-ish hallway world where you go and do the side quests and there are a lot of uh, tool-generated cutscenes for people to talk to each other. It's a very bizarre creature in that way, and I can't easily think of any other games that are like that. Because when you play Horizon or God of War Ragnarok, which are, frankly, if we're talking about Final Fantasy 16 being an action RPG, you can make the argument easily then that those should qualify as well. Mm -hmm. They don't really have the oil and water thing. Most video games do not have the oil and water well, thing that I think this. The does. reason there's this, there's the reason they have this oil and water thing is they brought in the action game Avengers. 
to make <laughs> all these combat set pieces. And then the rest of the stuff was made by a team that had been making an MMO that ran on the PS3. Yes. Fair. Uh-huh. Like, I think that's what so much of the weirdness in this game comes from, is like, this was the Final Fantasy XIV Heavensward team, not the modern Final Fantasy XIV team. It was the one that ran shipped on PS3. Right. Yeah. And when you look at these areas, when you look at these side quests, when you look at the way NPCs look and talk to each other, it's it and you'd be like an MMO team made that suddenly all the like the the mystery is gone. Right. That's so apparent in the experience you have with it. I know some people have been like, I, I'm, I expected more from Yoshi P and I'm like, he didn't direct though. He's like a producer. And a lot of people seem confused about that. I actually haven't played Final Fantasy 14. I grew up with Final Fantasy and I only skipped two, three and five and 10, don't ask. But I never played 14 because it was an MMO. Like I just generally don't play MMOs. Mm -hmm. So as someone who's, first experience with this team that made this game seemingly is 16 i'm kind of being scared away from 14 a little bit because the writing here in my opinion like xenoblade chronicles 3 which came out last year around the same time actually has combat that isn't like the most engaging thing in the world for me but the writing and the characters really make me care immensely about seeing more of the game and playing it and there are a bunch of systems going on behind the scene to make your character more powerful, to capitalize and uh, get some agency in what's going on. Whereas here, there really aren't the systems behind the scenes to do that. So on an RPG level, it's not doing anything for me. And I don't feel anything for any of the main cast except for Sid. Gav. And, uh, so yeah, Gav's all right. Like, I don't hate Gav. Gav is the emotional core of this fucking game. <laughs> Gav is great, but there's all these, there's all these side characters that don't have a strong enough design to like break through from NPC town to like being a major character for me. Are you talking about Sir like, Wade? <laughs> like there's Sir, like it's basically like the only characters that feel like they were designed by a Final Fantasy artist are mm. like Clive, Jill, Joshua, Sid, and like the dominance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, that's it. Yeah, even Gav, I don't think has a strong enough design to really say that he feels like fully he's, designed. He's really tactics core. Like he, he is, he is yes. soldier number three in a tactics brigade. No, we absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's, the, that's this whole game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it has that energy. Which is the aesthetic they went for, for better or worse, sometimes worse. <sighs> yeah, with every time it gets compared to tactics, it makes me a little depressed because that has what I think is a completely gorgeous art style. Mm. And this is like that puts through a filter of just modern, oh, yeah. normal looking game. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, it, it looks down to earth and grounded in a way that makes it boring. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yes. a lot of that is the low contrast art style that's kind of tech wise, not firing on all cylinders. Like mm -hmm. I'm not here to say Square Enix or anyone else should try to hit the heights Sony does visually because that's unreasonable, untenable. Um, but it does say something when you see so much detail in every frame in one of those two other games, like I mentioned a moment ago, and you see so much color and the HDR looks great. And in this, whether it's HDR or SDR, most of the game's gray, except in for when the sky stuff starts happening and now the gray, the game's magenta. Yes, it switches from gray to gray magenta. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
which is unfortunate because usually Square Enix has that buff of a strong R style that carries it. Yeah, no above. one's no one's gonna say seven remake. <laughs> no, <laughs> Does it yeah, look no, super. That, that game's gonna look gorgeous, right? Right. There is scenes in this game that look fucking unreal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. During the very action-focused stuff and yeah, icon battle, not just, battle not just and... that. There was there was like a scene of just Clive and Joshua talking, where I was like, "Holy shit, Joshua looks good in this scene." Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, like yeah. when you get the full quality Joshua model, it looks really incredible. And then there's a couple of great moments where you have the the full high quality talking cutscenes, and then someone just throws the gear shift yeah. back to we're just at the hideaway. It's actually weirder when they do the reverse. I did a quest line in the desert village and it's this whole thing. It was in the, this is not hyperbole. It was my third end of the line quest line being completed. That was the village has an outside threat, but there are political alliances. You need to make people come together to fight the outside threat. And during the desert one, they threw the switch into budget mode so everyone had like normal facial animations and movements that were custom to what they were doing and it was really weird because the other two i had just done didn't <laughs> it's really bizarre when that money pipe turns on and off because it's seemingly at random. <laughs> i feel like almost everybody who has played both brings up the similarities between this game and Yakuza because they also do the, or like a dragon if you're watching this in 2035. Um, <laughs> when, when, that, when that transition has finally completed and everybody has accepted it. Mm -hmm. They also do like the, okay, here's our weird motion comic cutscene. Here's our characters talking with rare, very basic animations. Here's our big animated thing in the same scene, even just like this. Mm -hmm. But there's like a difference between even the top level of a Yakuza thing and this. So the diff the difference between them is smaller, so it doesn't feel so like jarring. Yes, and it feels like, and I haven't played the Like a Dragon games. It feels like the low on Like a Dragon doesn't feel as low. That's been my experience of having played like Zero and stuff. Of like, they have more of a artistic vision to the low. Like it becomes mm. two people in a text boxes and it feels a little more natural than what we get here. Right. Which this kind of reminds me of almost Horizon Zero Dawn, mm -hmm. not Forbidden West, where it's just their faces look a little numb or dead eyed and it just gets really unsettling. I feel like it goes well below that because they're yeah. like animation qualities for how they animate and just talk while they're talking, their body movements all look very MML core. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was a little oddly low grade on the animation side for the just visual quality of everything else you're seeing mm -hmm. to go back to turn into quest and the character just goes thank you <laughs> that's reminding me i played final fantasy 12 after this and was astonished by how much better those low-end cutscenes look than these low-end cutscenes. just their animation quality everyone has more unique animation for it yeah whereas these were very much stock like everyone's a human so we just don't need one set of animations yeah like like every time you'd go to do side quests and encounter this stuff you'd like why like if this game was 120 hours and had like four different hubs i'd understand that you had to rush all this shit out mechanically but this right my brother this is an action game why am i doing this <laughs> why am i looking at this yeah it was really weird because once again like xenoblade 3 it ships on the switch which is like a smartphone from 2016 or 15 hardware wise and on a cartridge, meaning it has no space. But those cutscenes, there are so many of them and they're so much higher quality 
that I'm just flabbergasted because this is not a problem I anticipated heading into this. Mm -hmm. Like when we all played Forspoken. Game code provided by Square Enix. Yes, that. But when we all played Forspoken a few months back, I feel like none of us expected that to be in here. Because in Forspoken, it has a lot of the same problems of indoor environments look really gray and not sharp. Um, people have weird lighting on their faces, a lot of dead looks in their eyes, a lot of fillery stuff in the town that is not well built out or mm -hmm. delivered to you, the player. In no world did I expect 16 to do that. Yeah, it was no. weird having a couple just strong moments of, oh, these two came from the same place. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... It's, it's really something. But um, instead of focusing more on the fidelity and things like that, let's go ahead and talk about the other areas. I am not a huge action, action game person. Generally, you have to be a pretty good action game for me to really get into it. But that's something I can sort of deal with, just like with the MMO combat in Xenoblade 3. What did you guys think about the action gameplay? I'm going to start with aggro. It took me a while to figure out why... I stopped having fun halfway through this game. Mm -hmm. And it's because you spend that first half, you know, getting the combo down and mixing in the new powers it's giving you mm -hmm. and figuring out the build you want and, you know, how you want to mix it all together. And once you've got the switching your icon and getting all that down to muscle memory, you realize that these enemies are shit. Yeah. None yeah. of them are different from any of the others. Mm -hmm. They're all stun locked by your basic single button attack. And it doesn't matter if there's one or 10 in the fight. You're doing the same thing while they all wait their turn to attack you next. Yeah. And it makes every fight a chore. So I just put on the two biggest damage AoEs I could. Right. So I could just wooden button end as many fights as possible. Yeah. Because it wasn't fun. It was busy work. No, it's true. It's true. The, the combat really does feel like busy work. It's interesting because a lot of people will be like, well, it has the timing mechanic for you hitting triangle. And it's like, but it only has one weapon. Mm -hmm. Like, the game only has one weapon. I never would have imagined you made an action game mm -hmm. with one weapon. Yeah. Uh, the, the and one combo. One right, one yeah. combo. You never have to you do don't... anything different. It took me so long to figure out why. I'm like, okay, I never ran into this in God of War. Why? It couldn't have just been because I had two weapons. Like, that That couldn't be it. And no, I realized well, you because... also had more moves. Yeah, right. and, and like, it was, it was the enemies. You always had to know which enemies you were fighting, how many of them there were, mm -hmm. where they are, how long ago they just did their ranged attack. And that, you had to pay attention to the fight and actually be in the fight mm -hmm. and not just spam, like spam square till this one's done, hit lunge, you'll automatically lunge toward the nearest enemy, spam square until that one's dead, hit lunge. I, I stopped looking at the screen sometimes. Yeah. Because you didn't need to see it. No, it's true. Especially once you get to the point where like the end game of the game, two me feels like stacking six ultimates on your loadout just so you can start every encounter with here's an ultimate encounter over mm. okay gotta use the small lightning one in the first one because i know they're gonna send me a second wave okay right. then i use the big phoenix one all right, all right any more okay now the big shiva one yeah 
yeah, it literally just boils down to that. And it is true that like every enemy in the game, you engage with the same. The only difference is sometimes there's a golem-like dude who says spirits within as his attack and I laugh <laughs> every <Yes>. time. Yeah, <laughs> even, even the big guys all feel the same. Like this, this mm -hmm. doesn't have the design of an action game. There's not a suite of enemies that do different things and you you form combat encounters by mixing and matching them yeah. because they force the player to act differently. Every every fight in this game is either one to three waves of completely disposable normal enemies. Sometimes they go as high as five waves. That's true. Or, I remember that time. <laughs> or it's a couple waves of normal enemies and then they drop an elite and every... But there's the fast elite, which moves a little bit faster and you can't just drop your lightning ball and your fire shield on them and tear them to shreds instantly. Or there's a big guy that doesn't move around a lot. Mm -hmm. You deal with both the same way by tapping R1 when they wind up. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was gonna say, because I used the Berserker Ring, that was my experience. This game to me became, do the perfect guard with Titan to, to punish, you know, the attack. And if they're throwing an attack that isn't just cake easy to perfect guard, just hit R1 and go Berserker mode. Did, did you use the Berserker Ring? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. I feel like I, I only use it a little bit because I really didn't like the effects to put on after you did it, and I wanted to feel like it was playing an action game at all. Uh huh. I tried. I tried so yeah. hard to make this it, feel fun. It does make it spammier when because you are just hitting. Not even you're not even doing the triangle time. You're not doing any other movements at that point. You're just hitting square and rapidly flailing on them until the, the <laughs> set amount of tiny devil trigger ends. I was a little floored when I found out that was the, also the devil trigger. Yeah, that no, they're that, both that, the same thing. That's crazy. And because it's a devil trigger, it makes everything look really bad. Like it blurs out, out all the whole screen and yeah. it just mm -hmm. makes it hard to focus on anything. This game has a really bad devil trigger. That's that's true. Luckily, we did get to play a bit after the game got the patch to remove motion blur. It wasn't enough. No. Uh, is very shaky cam, but the vast majority of the open world is not very pretty to begin with, so mm -hmm. I'm not worried about the camera being shoved in my <laughs> armpit like a GoPro and just <laughs> up there as I swing my arms really fast for a bit. This is a very specifically weird game in that they decided to make it an action game, but it, it feels like it's failing in so many ways an action game shouldn't. Mm -hmm. But then additionally on top of that, it also doesn't have a lot of RPG stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, you want to talk about the the item progression, the weapon, armor progression. It's basically not there. You do a side quest, they give you a thing. It's worse than the thing you bought with money, which comes up every huge chunk of playtime. Yeah, the game fools you with this. Because the first, like, eight hours or so, it's constantly giving you new equipment, new armor, new weapons. And then it just stops. And it doesn't pick up again for, like, 10 hours. Yeah, there was a 10-hour chunk. Um, I was actually streaming to a friend, uh, me playing through the game, and they just stared in disbelief as, for the first time in eight hours, I changed my sword. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just happens yeah. like that sometimes. Because I did all the hunts every time they became available. Mm -hmm. uh, I made the first tier of the final sword really early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was like 20 hours where yeah. it's like, I just have a sword that's better than everything. Yeah. And they actually gave me a weapon in a chest, the first chest in the entire game with a useful item in it. Uh huh. And and it, it was, was worse than the sword yeah. I had already. Yeah, this I, is literally what I did too. While we're on this, I got to talk about how the ultimate weapon you get in this game 
is an upgrade of that weapon you get fairly early, like Chris did, mm -hmm. that looks identical, but had the gold trim. Like, the best weapon you get on your first playthrough shouldn't be that. Yeah, and th and they made an Ultima weapon. You just can't get it unless you play it on New Game Plus in the Final Fantasy mode. Right. Really? It's like, why would you put Ultima weapon there? I don't know. A again, this feels like another the MMO thing, specifically with the combat, because the system of like, okay, you, you knock them down and they take more damage now. Mm -hmm. Dump on them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That feels like the burst window of an MMO. Mm. And mm. in MMOs, there is a thing called, that the community figures out, called a rotation. It is the most optimal usage of your abilities with their cooldowns taken into account to do the maximum amount of damage. And if you're playing those games at a high level, you have to learn your class's rotation. Right. This game, I'm sure that the community has already figured out a rotation for this game. It has, it, there, there must be an optimal Root. If there were more things going on behind the scenes, like because one of the weirdest parts of this game, in my opinion, is you unlock a skill and the only two things you can do from that point is a single upgrade that will do, depending on the skill, different things to it to a mild extent, like this will have more attacks in it now or this shot will last slightly longer. And then the second thing is unlock mastery, which lets it you put it on any icon tree. Right. There's so few things to invest in and only three of them can be engaged in your lineup, basically, mm -hmm. basically, other than the mastery thing I just discussed at any point in time. It feels like you really don't get to make that many interesting choices. Yeah, something that drove me crazy about the combat is you kind of learn everything about it was in that first like six hours. And yeah, the, the demo. Yeah, the, the they don't expand on it. You get new cooldown skills, but that's not exactly exciting. Mm -hmm. Like you don't even have a launcher in this game really, except for like you can do a jump in the air with a charge hit. But then you can't chase them because you've done a charge hit there. Well, really? you need your dog to launch them. Yeah, yeah it's true. You can get the <laughs> dog he, to launch them. There's like a yeah. big delay on it, and it feels bad. Yeah. Like, I really feel bad for the Devil May Cry guy they got to work on this game, because that feels like it was just for marketing. Like, did you really need this guy who worked on Devil May Cry 5 to figure out how to include enemy step? <laughs> <laughs> like, like they're, in, in the same way that you have that huge disconnect between the the main core content and all the side content it really does feel like the people who designed the players abilities and the enemies did not talk to each other because in, in the way that chris was mentioning how um they stage the enemies like they have different abilities mm -hmm, and yes. like they've built different combats with different mixtures of them which was really depressing when you could see them from a distance and go man look at all those different silhouettes this would have been an interesting new combat encounter in a game that had those I understand that in action games, you you recycle mini bosses once or twice. It happens. Yeah, because you know that, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna you get like I've got new abilities. I wanted to fight it a, a different way in games that have those. Right. The third yes. time I see a mini boss, had better be the goddamn last time I see the mini boss. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I cannot yeah. tell you how many times I fought that dragon. I don't right. know. Yeah. Or that golem. I. Yeah. Yeah. The big fucking orc Especially, war chief thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing that sucks is the hunt versions of those guys have more interesting things going on, but they never put any of them into the main campaign. It's weird how much things they put in this game as concessions to new players, because I'm sure that's what they did. It's like, mm -hmm. we used to be turn-based, now we're an action game, we have to be, we have to have the baby mode. But the game is already baby mode. So there's the story-focused difficulty selection, and then even outside of that, there's also those accessories that make the game almost play itself. But even without either of those, the game is still 
so unchallenging as to be dull. Yeah. And yeah. it's not it's and games can be easy and still be engaging. Again, I'm gonna reference Yakuza. Yakuza games are unbelievably easy, but you can take a cheese grater to someone's face in them. And <laughs> right. that that carries them. Yeah. yeah you have tons and tons of moves to brutalize these helpless enemies. You don't have that in this. No, like I said, it doesn't expand past those first six hours, which seemed crazy to me. You get Ifrit and it unlocks new things in that Ifrit ring, but they're just more cooldown things. I'm like, that's not enough here. Mm -hmm. I need more than one combo. Yeah, it's I, like they give you that fire charge move. I'm like, that's really cool. Why would I ever need to use that on anybody? Yeah. Like, I don't need to get somewhere. I don't need to stop somebody from doing something. Right. And a lot of times it just doesn't make sense damage output wise because it's like, well, it takes so long. The maximum damage is from me standing there in them, dashing at them. So it, it seems like they cut off a whole aspect of action game design to uh, uh, appeal to lower skill players. Me. Like, this was yeah. Baby's first action game, and I'm like, hooray! They forgot to make it compelling. Right. Like, that's the number one problem. The problem isn't the difficulty. The problem is that there is no there is no compelling gameplay layer in this at all. Like like God of War Ragnarok. Uh -huh. you, you've got a broad toolkit, and if you suck, you can use the easier stuff mm -hmm. and get through the game. Mm -hmm. But it's got a higher skill ceiling, so you can use the higher risk, more precision stuff to do better. Right. In this game, they're like they you've got a dodge that you can hit on Sunday and it'll work all week. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which like I I just don't use perfect dodges and parries in games because I suck at them. Mm -hmm. But this, I got to use this, so instead of the, the parry and the dodge is hard to pull off, so maybe work your way up to learning how to do those right, it's you can do that from the beginning. So how do we make the enemies harder? Let's give them attacks with hard to figure out hitboxes and weird on purpose timing. Great. Good yeah, job. They, they, a lot of the enemy animations are absolutely just that, where it's just like this tentacle monster is going to keep curling up and it's going to go just a little bit further than you expect before very quickly unfurling. And yeah, it is really unfortunate because I'm not going to not dodge that using the <laughs> Berserker ring. That's just not happening. The weirdest thing, you know, we talk about six hours in, Bob was saying it a lot, that the game just stopped coming up with new things. I genuinely left the demo expecting the game to be a lot greater than it is. Mm -hmm. oh, there were let's talk about this demo for a second. Sure, There's so yeah. many things in the demo that just feel like they lied. I mean, they <laughs> like do front deliberately load. like they lied. They front load like, with an insane amount of action sequences and no real open world sequences. Yes. Like in that demo, you have the uh, the Marlboro boss. Mm -hmm. I don't think any other mini boss has like a like a cinematic element to it. Even the Marlboro, the next time it shows up, no <laughs> right. longer has that. Uh, you have like Torgal running around and finding you items, a thing I don't think happens outside of that very first time it happens. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, um, I can show you the path. But I don't think you have items. Yeah. You you control Joshua for a second, which made me think, oh, there will be other points in this game where I control other characters than Clive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even as like a set piece, but there was none of those. And then they have that opening scene, like outside of the demo, that active time lore thing feels almost pointless because there's no politics in this game at all. Yeah, they really did lead with that and made you think it was going to be a lot of politics. Every society is the same because they all just use racially based slavery. Mm -hmm. A couple of them are deleted off screen. Like, remember the Crystal Dominion, a thing yeah. mentioned in one cutscene that is deleted during the time skip? Yeah, it's it's really bizarre. And then you bizarre. have the island. And then you have, and not even not even the, just them. They're another society that gets deleted off screen. We know they're called savages. 
they speak a different language, they held Jill captive, and then they die off screen. I think that is supposed to be the people from the island, even though the people on that island yeah, speak British English. That's the people mm -hmm. from the island, but I'm talking about the Sandbrick yeah. move yeah. between... Those are different societies, Dan. There's the island on the left where you take Jill. Uh-huh. And then there's the island in the center. Those are different countries. Right, because Sam Breck leaves after the time skip and takes over this other country, so they just immediately And we delayed. don't find out... A, yeah. There's not a single thing about that country they delete in any of the game in the game at all. Not a thing. Yeah. We know literally nothing about it. Yeah, it's really bizarre that there aren't more layers of intrigue and development on the political front in this. Like, there isn't just great dramas going on here, which is really what I expected, given how they positioned the game, postured it, leading up to launch and then using that mechanic at all the whole active time lore thing it's really weird how two-dimensional it is to the point where there's just a five-year time skip and nothing basically has nothing changed changes. Yeah. Yeah. it really seems like like this setting this, this somebody took the plan for a final fantasy game and made this out of it <laughs> like this setting needed to have been longer and have the stuff you do be in it mm -hmm. instead of we get to the time job and like well time to go hit four crystals right what exactly like, why does vivian exist why does her and her features <laughs> right? exist? they're like come look at my map no like there's no it's not like countries don't form alliances and things change yeah they're all yeah. directly opposed to each other and that doesn't change nobody forms like a, a secret backdoor alliance there's no like power plays by anybody like lower in the totem pole trying to take over. Yeah. And I can't believe I have to say this, but like Dragon Age did a better like version of of like the magic casters being oppressed because there was at least one country where they were like, we have magic, we're gonna take over. Mm -hmm. Like it's that like no, we all the whole continent settled perfectly into this exact same social structure mm -hmm. between all between all at the start of the game mm -hmm. five nations. Yeah, you talking about those Vivian segments just made me think about how every time one of those happens, I'd be like, oh, this is like Dynasty Warriors, but really dumb, like incredibly boring. Yeah, it's like, like it's nothing, not nothing's there. Because in a Dynasty Warriors game, they either talk about something that is real or seemingly real that could have happened militarily speaking. Right. It's like, oh, the geography here supports this sort of action. We need to escape safely through here. Our threats are. And instead, every time with this, it's like, uh, the continent all the way in the northeast sent a boat all the way around. They just did that in like an hour. And I'm like, that's fair. Every continent is a street. How, <laughs> how big are these continents? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, here's the thing. In Final Fantasy 14, the teleport crystals are diegetic. It's actually a plot point that one of your bases in the game doesn't have one because everyone hates you at that point in time. <laughs> and they don't, They and they will not let you set up a teleport crystal. In this game, the teleport crystals are not diegetic, but they act like they are. Like, Clive's like, yeah, I can go across the continent for a flower. Yeah, that, it's so weird. Deal. They introduce it as if it's that is the case. There's actually something in universe. But then they but, always explain Clive, Clive took a boat back or right. Clive did this. And it's like he can teleport. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so bizarre. It feels like there's so many weird half steps. Like they're they're terrified of making it too fantasy. 
Like they don't want to have anything too outlandish. Yeah. They, everything feels like it's just slightly held Ex back. Except for those big fucking icon right. fights. Exactly. It feel like they're from a different game entirely. Mm -hmm. They really do. I mean, Bob, you might know what game specifically some of those icon fights are from entirely. I've never seen anything like them before. Oh, okay. There's at no point in time any other game had you stand on someone's hand as they punch you. That just doesn't <laughs> happen. Don't worry, Bob. Nobody alive played Bayonetta 2 because it was on the Wii U. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Square Enix is like, whoo, thank God. You know, I really like that Titan fight. I didn't expect it to be the peak of the game set pieces. Yep, that's and uh -huh. arguably the game as yep. it just goes very downhill from there because it was a little rocky leading up to that for me at least. I was like, I'm not sure how, like, this is going up and down and up and down and maybe it's good, maybe it's... Uh, this is I like the I like the 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 desert. It's got a good theme. It's one of my two favorite themes in the game because it's, it has real Lawrence of Arabia vibes. You hit the Titan and the rest of the game is just inarguably downhill. Yeah, no, that, yeah that's exactly like every, where it happens. There, there's only two more icon fights in the game after that, and they're both just you doing bayonetta cartwheels on the platform in space, mm -hmm. <laughs> dodging guys and then punching them like. You had the Thanatos fight right before the time skip where he's doing the walls. Mm -hmm. And that's very cool. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Titan fight where it has a billion different phases, all these different phases, like you're running towards him and dodging things and you're mm -hmm. falling through the sky fighting him. And then the last ones don't have any gimmicks like that at all, except mm -hmm. making you do another Phoenix shooting segment, which feels bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish the gameplay of the uh, Bahamut one was a lot better because visually that probably fires pretty hard for this game but like <sighs> plot wise for me i wasn't invested yes, in the fight yeah because i just hate is... that so much he's like he, oh he, bahamut's going crazy i guess we better stop him why'd he go crazy ultima made him crazy yeah i'm still i'm still <laughs> even just like i i assume ultima made him crazy but everyone's eyes go weird when they turn into giant icons anyway so did he go, make him go crazy with mental domination or was it just killing his dad I don't know. Like, it's it, like, it doesn't matter ultimately because I'm not invested right, either I, way. Every single villain in this, which we'll get to after we cover this some more, sure. but every single villain in this is just like, what's their deal? They're manipulated by Ultima. It's like, that's not interesting. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. There's and nothing that's the else. least politically layered thing possible. Yes. You're supposed yeah. to motivate your characters to do things. The only motivation ends at Kupka or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even he is yeah, the manipulated by Ultima. Yes, ultimately, <laughs> well, no, yes. Hey, he's manipulated by Barnabas, by Ultima acting through Barnabas. That's a little <laughs> different. And additionally, on top of that, through hallucinations caused by Ultima of him seeing you cucky him in the crystal <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> there were you two know, layers. I, it, this has to be somewhere in this fucking video, so, I, I, so we might as well put it here. What the fuck? fuck is hmm. up with this game's treatment of women i don't it's fucking dire it's the worst it's ever been in the entire fucking franchise except arguably 15 and it's fucked up that i have to say arguably luna freya sucks she's not as bad as anything in this game there are three real female characters in this game and by real i'm saying they're in the story mm -hmm. they matter at all and those are benedicta who I thought actually had a pretty good character going on where she's like in, really insecure, but lashes out because of that. She could have been a real cool character. She's the only good villain. 
She is the yeah. only good villain. Mm -hmm. And they she throw her been away so fast. They sure do. I didn't like. I didn't think she died. Like after that fight, she was just laying there. I'm like, oh, they're just gonna leave her. She'll show up later. Yeah, that's something else that drives me crazy. Of like, they pull all their punches on violence too. It's like, no, she's obviously supposed to be dead after some massive battle. Have her torn apart. Right. We're an M-rated yeah, game. I, I, I'm sorry. We you have to do. This. I thought I that's mean, what they were going for here. Like the violence, like uh -huh. that, that gritty, really. Tr I mean, like. It's an insane thing I should have to compare a modern Final Fantasy to, but Type Zero? Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, I thought the whole point was like the, the brutality of war. You're going to show the blood. You're yeah, going to show like the demo. Yeah, like his dad. He's yeah. much more and violent the and everything I else. Mean, Koopka gets his arms violently cut off. That was just, pretty great. They, that was pretty great. They, yeah, held, that was, they held back that on was it because it was a girl. over to the game almost. <laughs> but then you have. Jill, who is a who is a wooden plank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and don't. And it's and like what what the fuck was Jill doing when you and Joshua were fighting Bahamut? Was she just chilling in a room somewhere, staring at the wall? She was looking like, at your mom. That's it. Yeah. I, and then the end of the game, it's like, okay, well, I guess Jill can't do anything because Clive absorbed her powers. That that that's how it works. And then Dion just shows up and is like, I'm built different. I can still help. Well, no, because like you can you can still prime after he takes your powers. But, you know, there's a, apparently a high probability you'll go mad when you do it. Except Jill also still had ice powers. Yeah, they did show so that. Whatever. So, like, I, sh I shouldn't be th seeing, watching Jill, like, scream and cry, watching Dion and Joshua and Clive go off to fight the final boss and be like, this sure reminds me of Naruto. Look, using your icon powers is very dangerous when the plot remembers that it is. Or you're a woman. And <laughs> and then and then Clive's mom, which is without question the worst character in this. She's flawless. Possibly, <laughs> possibly the worst character in all of Final Fantasy. Because I, I was thinking, like, who's the worst character in Final Fantasy? Well, there's this one broad in Final Fantasy XIV who is like, my tragic backstory is my dad was a Nazi and the peasants stoned him to death, so I'm evil now. And they present this as sympathetic. <sighs> And I think Clive's mom is still worse because not only not only does she only exist to say things that are upsetting. First of all, she exists to be a red herring for the most of her fucking existence. Yeah, because you think the game's going to be about her and about the bearers being slaves and all sorts of layers that are just not I, important. Yeah, I was so upset with the way they just had her act and, and Clive act when they finally met again because it's like yeah. no she has been built up is the actual villain here she's the one making us the set of like guards that are explicitly a hate crime to Clive yeah mm. it's bizarre like it's bizarre like Clive knows that she betrayed his family and got her his dad killed and to his knowledge his brother killed mm -hmm. uh, and sold him into slavery for 13 years yeah and yeah. then he just doesn't care and, and is like actively doing war crimes and hate crimes and she he doesn't care and then she on, all she does is say things that are meant to be upsetting to the player not mm -hmm. even the character she's speaking to they're written right. to be upsetting to you the player and then the moment the story doesn't need her anymore she kills herself yeah that's fucking pathetic <laughs> it's fucking weird yeah that was truly bizarre um i actually think the larger problem is clive and how he engages with every character in this game in a way that seems detached and very bizarre like he has no history like him and Torgal you're told he owns Torgal and Torgal's his pet dog but for most of that game he's just like hey that's a weird dog 
<laughs> like he doesn't seem have he doesn't have any fondness in any of the cutscenes for a lot of this for this dog to the point of like you keep saying you own that dog and it follows you but every time we talk about it it's someone else telling you what this dog thinks and feels where it's been what it likes everything else it's literally one of the weirdest instances of the core of this game is you love this dog and then there's no bond there i feel no energy and that's kind of weird because that's how i feel with clive and a lot of people like you don't get a sense of the history between him and jill in any of the cutscenes they're in at no point do you flashback to him and jill as kids no there's no there's no flashback of that five-year time skip like they they didn't get together until after the first Barnabas thing. By the way, Jill gets kidnapped by the villain twice in this game yeah, to motivate Clive. It's so frustrating. I was convinced they were going to be in a relationship after that five-year time jump because it's been five it's years. It's been five years. Anything should change. Right. They're, like, they're adults. This is the first, like, this is the first M-rated mainline Final Fantasy. And it's like, why were you M-rated? So you could have blood sometimes and these sex scenes that were a marketing gimmick. Which sex scene is really overselling it. It's people nude scene right. once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, well there's, three times, I think. Oh, that's true. Yeah, He's, there's three. Let's talk about that because that needs to go in this video. I'm gonna go insane if I don't get this in here. He passes out after the fight with Benedicta very early on in this game and is now strapped in the, in the cellar, in the prison of the hideaway, nude. Why did Sid strip him naked? <laughs> Why did this happen? Yeah. I don't I, know. I, I don't understand why he's nude. He was like, did he do this to himself? <laughs> no. I know, Sid, I'm gonna kill myself. You seem to just be taking your clothes off. Do you oh. know how this works? <laughs> I, I, for, I forgot a female character. I'm sorry. There's actually four. I mean, if you want there to... Is mi out. There is mid... Who she hardly do counts. we see? I mean, do we see mid at all before the time skip? I don't think we do. No, she's no, mentioned she's, in one she's, side. She's, she's referenced. She's referenced. Man, but she's it, not it shown, sure no. would have been great if we had seen the relationship between her and Sid at all. Uh huh. Yeah, that would have been great. It's great, which is like in the, this happens a lot in the hideaway with characters. They'll show up and like this is my thing. I'm like, man, you would have been a cool party member in a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you want to talk about all the lady characters I could list off off the top of my head, we got Martha for Martha's Rest. We've got Vivian. We've got Jill. Uh, we've got, what is it? The Mistress? What is the lady's name? The Dame. The, the Dame. dame. Uh, yes. Uh, Isabitha. There's Yote, Joshua's his ninja. Uh, his ninja, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't accomplish anything, but sure. It seems like there's a whole bunch of them around. And like, I, God, there's a version of this game where you keep switching between Clive, Joshua, and Dion, and it rules. Yes. There's definitely a version of this game you could have made that would have been fucking stellar. Mm -hmm. This Back to the gameplay for one second. Why sure. don't we get to fight like a, like a semi-primed Dion? That'd be the coolest thing, because he's the Bahamut Dragoon. Mm-hmm. Look, it would have just been the Dragoon fight again. They've already you already fought a Dragoon five times I, at this I, point. <laughs> I'd take that. It could be a side quest thing. They made souped up versions. They made a souped up Dragoon for one of the hunts. Yes. Why couldn't it be like Dion wants to train with you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, if there were more interesting interactions for the motivations of countries, people, and other things going on, this truly, which switching between three characters could have done that. Mm -hmm. It could have helped with that. It, they, but they would have, they would play differently too. That'd be really neat. It yeah, would be more something. than one combo. It would be a thing. Yes. Um, 
This is made even 10 times worse by the fact we are stuck with one character and that one character is unchanging. At no point does Clive observe the world and the events he's causing and change plans or reflect on things. Like he, no. he doesn't have an arc, he teleports. At the end of the game, he just like Ultima's saying some random bullshit that doesn't mean anything. Right. So Clive just starts saying random bullshit back at <laughs> Clive him. Clive becomes a Twitter story about your five-year-old talking about how racism is bad at the grocery store in the I, ending. That drove me insane because Clive is dressing down Ultima and like verbally eviscerating him. Like, you don't know anything about this guy. None of us do because they didn't write it. And it's yeah. another layer too of like, not only does he not know all this, this isn't Clive. Yeah, no. Like, who taught no you this? point in this game is Clive the incisive, de able to deconstruct other people's personalities upon meeting them type of person. No, he's also not a person who's about like working together as a team. Like that's something that only comes up in the last act of last side missions of this game in this last mission. Yeah, it's it, it makes me insane that it's like, Hey, here's a game where one guy does every single thing and even absorbs the power of other people. They're, they're not given willingly, ex willingly, except for Shiva and Phoenix when Joshua's dying there at the end. Mm -hmm. Yet he's like, this is my friendship power. I'm going to do a big super punch. And I'm like, that's bleak. You made the <laughs> bleakest possible version of friendship power because you made a game where one guy does everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. Maybe, maybe if there had been party members, maybe if... Like, man, a man, imagine if there was like a series of side quests in this game where you talk to the other dominants and they're like, I'm going to teach you a new move. Right. Yeah. And it like adds to your repertoire of basic attacks. Like Jill could teach you a side thing. <laughs> Sid could teach you like a fake quick draw technique with his weird katana sword. You mean but it's, it's like so good. <laughs> if the gameplay it mechanics didn't... evolved and Clive had normal human relationships with anyone in the video game, that would have been neat. Yeah. It didn't earn this friendship shit it just no. became mm -hmm. the most generic shonen anime my friends are my power i'm gonna do the big punch and 999 <laughs> is gonna pop up onto and we're gonna act like that was big and epic and i'm like that wasn't the game no <laughs> i knew just from how the game had gone the whole time that origin popped up and i'm like that's one battle <laughs> I was terrified. It was six more hallways <laughs> and ten more fights with random bullshit. Which, to be fair, the first yeah. one is going to have three guys. <laughs> the second one's going to have five guys and a bomb. The third one's going to have two more guys and then like four more guys with something with a stagger bar. Uh huh. The fifth one is going to be like six bombs and one of those big fallen mini boss things, which the fallen. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, remember that? Remember how there's like a big chunk of land perfectly cut out and everybody's like, I wonder what caused that. And then everybody goes silent and stares at you. Uh-huh. Yep. There's even a side quest where you go look at it more and it's like, oh man, what could this mean? I wonder what these ancient civilizations did. What do you mean it was one guy? That doesn't make yeah, any sense. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> it's really fucking unclear if there was actually a society or if it was just this dude. But if he was motivated by wanting to revive his doomed society, that would make Clive's dressing down make no sense. So it must just be that it's one guy and his robot friends, to which I explained, why did you write this? <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
Yeah, I don't think there's any real heart to the story or theme going on with it in the least. No. And on top of it, it has all these other layers of like the political intrigue is underdeveloped. The character relationships are virtually not there. Our character doesn't change as a person in the world he's in to the point where he seems unaware he's passing through worlds and times and having effects on the things around him. He's merely a tourist viewing what he's doing and then at the end goes, What do you mean you tricked me into firebombing these five buildings? It's like, yeah, I told I you after one. <laughs> you did one, and it was so obviously not a good idea. Why did you spend the next like, five years doing you, it? You grow up in a world that has five enormous crystals that power magic, and they're the basis of religion, mm -hmm. and they're older than your civilization, and one guy with weird katana swords and a pop collar goes... Go break them. And you just yeah. spend the rest of your life destroying that, the planet. Yeah, yeah. Like here's, like one, at no point does anybody ever go, we're breaking the crystals and the blight is getting worse faster. Maybe this, it, maybe Sid was right. wrong. Yeah. Not a single character offered. But, and two, it makes no sense that breaking them makes the blight spread faster using the explanation Ultima gives you for what the fucking crystals were. Yeah. Like Ultima's like, I was using them to absorb the ether from your planet so I could cast rays and turn it into a new planet for me. Then why did breaking them make it spread faster? And Yoshi P did this fucking interview before this game came out where it basically, he basically was like, Americans are stupid, so the plot of this game has to be stupid. <laughs> That's almost exactly what he said. He's like, Americans are really bad at like symbolism and things, so we have to make this a really, really obvious environmentalism thing. And I'm like, you're in a franchise with Final Fantasy VII in it. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, just on based on how I came out of the demo, I was worried this was going to be a bad version of the environmentalism and the depth of Seven. And it's just like, that guy isn't a terrorist because he believes in it. He's just... He, he's a fuck boy. <laughs> like, and that's interesting in parrots, a hypocrite. Like, what do Americans understand? I guess environmentalism and slavery and like racism. So that's what our game is about. Like if somehow we convinced them that this low fantasy witcher shit, there's sex and blood, it's racism is the only thing. If we somehow tricked them into thinking that's what Americans wanted, we failed ourselves the past and the future. They they are way too reactive to criticism if they if they think to do any of that. I mean, based like, on this game, I'm under the impression they're really too reactive to criticism because they talk like the marketing cycle leading up to this. They're doing interviews talking about the JRPG felt like a slur. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and I this mean, like, is definitely trying to be everything those aren't. It feels like we're in the area. Like we're we're cresting after they built back after Japanese game development almost ate shit in seventh gen. So. Yeah, no, like they're they're gonna be a little wary of really not wanting to alienate the Western market because they got so beat up for so long in the media. This game feels like a victim of how long it was in development. Mm. Maybe. Like this game started development, started pre-production almost as soon as sixteen as fifteen was out. So twenty sixteen. Yeah, I, I could have sworn they, they said they brought on the combat director in twenty nineteen when Devil May Cry five finished, so mm. How much of that development could have started before the combat director arrived is an interesting question. Well, like we said, the combat seems very, right. like, not meshing well right. with the game. Yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> oil and water. Yeah. yeah. There's not a town in this game. 
You got the hideaway. What? There, there's East there's, Pool. There's, there, there's <laughs> tiny. There's not a city. There's not like a cool fantasy city like Midgar or Galbadia Garden or Galbadia in Final Fantasy VIII or Lindblom in Final Fantasy IX or any of the cities in Final Fantasy X. I mean, you you run through Twinside while it's covered in dragoons and Akashic. <laughs> God. Yeah, and when they do have a city, it's like two hallways in a shop that sells the same thing you can buy in your hideaway. It's uh, like, yeah, the, what? The, the dame has, a, she lives in a city mm -hmm. with a giant castle wall in front of it to keep people out unless they get through the gate. And the city amounts to a tic-tac-toe board full of roads. Yeah, which I mean... And there's the left half, know, the middle, and the right this half. this is an action game that they pretended is in any way an RPG. Right, it's very bizarre. Incredibly bizarre. Another thing, a point of comparison that I think is fair, because this was a complaint leveled at uh, God of War 2018, is that the side quests in God of War Ragnarok improve upon that by having a sort of level you play through that is an action level that you can tell a story through. Mm -hmm. And they have really good stories they tell in that stuff in God of War Ragnarok. And in this, the side quests are, this person is gonna ask you, like the worst it got gameplay-wise was the dame, political, religious head, Okay, go talk to literally eight people. Quest one over. Quest two starts. Go talk to five people. Oh no, there are monsters in the world. Go to a hill outside and attack 10 monsters. Quest line ends. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It's like yeah. they're, again, MMO team produce. Like, it seems like nobody went to them. Hey, you're making a high-end console game. You need to have more going on your side content than you do in Final Fantasy 14, where it's almost not intended for you to do the side content. That's for if you're leveling up an additional class later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of it could have just been scooped out and the stuff that actually mattered to the plot put back in to the main storyline. Right, and then polished up or whatever to mm -hmm. make it mesh and feel more core to the experience. Right. I don't even have to go outside the franchise for this next thing, but like in Final Fantasy VII Remake and in Final Fantasy XV, your characters are constantly talking to each other. Yeah, that's yeah. that has become an industry standard yeah. for a very long but, time. But that's not in here at all. No, it's oh. to the point where Jill showed up when I talked to someone early on in the game, and I'm like, bitch, you're with me? What? Yeah, no, like I... She was just in the room already. Because yeah. I was so far behind you guys, I, I was riding way back on the curve of when you start to not like this game anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody's like, oh, Jill, fuck Jill. Jill sucks. I'm like, what did Jill do? Jill didn't do anything. Jill is done nothing You're right so at a certain point You're getting it. like she walks into frame and also talks to the npc and i literally i was in kind of a daze playing this game and i just sort of woke up and went shut the fuck up jill you're not a character don't act like you are yeah that's which kills yeah. me i every time we got something new i was like this will surely add the gameplay or add an rpg mechanic or something that'll make me enticed like when jill finally joins your party i was like I'll get to adjust her equipment, or maybe I'll be able to call her in like the dog. None of that. Yeah. Nothing. Mm -hmm. She doesn't even talk, as we just said. Her design is so cool, and it's fucking wasted. <laughs> okay. I would like to speak up in defense of the visual design of this game. Okay. Because, like, I don't mind the low fantasy medieval setting. 
I really enjoy it, it's especially uh -huh. when you pepper it with random, you know, Final Fantasy enemies. I even like the design of all the fallen shit. Like the first time you go under Phoenix Gate into that yeah. fallen area, yeah. I mean, I, I want to kick whoever named them the fallen off a goddamn cliff yeah. because stop doing shit like that. The this, the that. Eat a dick, learn to write. The bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the fact that in this, you know, fantasy game, everybody except for Clive has like realistic weapons and swords and you know like yeah. they're huge uh, a lot of the time because you know it's a video game and they have to look substantial which ends up with one-handed axes looking like they weigh 15 pounds <laughs> <laughs> clive's shoulder cuff thing is stupid as hell it's the worst it's ever been um but like jill's rapier is awesome and her her outfit is really great and she's not a character. Yeah. And she, like she has that one scene when you when you take her to the Iron Blooded Island. Yes. And she has this like she she fucking activates yes. for an entire sequence and becomes a character and then goes back into rest mode. It's so dire. It really does seem like the writer has to have the actors come in and flesh out the characters because that's the impression I left with with Sid. Sid is one of the best characters in this game, and you get the idea that it's like that guy's just an actor. He's like looking at this material and he's like, I'm going to tell them what I think the character is and then they will let me make this scene this way and the rest of the game will have to deal with that. Like Clive's not coming in and doing that. Like, no. Jill's Sid not Sid even in. starts to bring Clive to life when they're together. Like yes. it's yes. great. Which is why it's a crime that he just drops out of the game so fast. Yeah, yeah. they don't have any replacement. Like. Mm -hmm. at all. Gav is kind of there, but he is yeah, not as someone not who... The, like, the closest you get is when Byron shows up. Right. And he, uh, he brings Clive alive sometimes. Sometimes. Fucking love Byron. He's I, so good. I love yeah, Byron like, at first, and then it feels like Scrappy-Doo at a certain point where it's just like, <laughs> Byron, why are you doing that? You're getting us into trouble! Yeah. <laughs> like, typically your character in a game like this, your protagonist, will display reactive character development. They mm -hmm. will develop because of things happening to them or people they interact with. Unfortunately, Cl there is no other characters in this game for Clive to have reactive character development off of so that he pretty much stays static. We They don't flash back to that 13 years he was a slave at all. Yeah. Like, not once. And that really bugs me. They, they even do bizarre stuff like when you get to Mars's Wrath and she's like, I'm going to tell you the dark secrets of this world. It's like, did you know that bearers died from using their magic? It's like, yeah, they've both been ingrained in bearer society because they've been enslaved for 13 years. They know. They should at least. That there were. Ma'am. <laughs> so many little things like that drove me crazy in this game. Mm -hmm. It's it's really weird for me. And maybe, I don't know, maybe this is just a me thing. But when you get to the end of the East Pool quest line where it's like, we set up East Pool. It was ravaged by people and bandits and monsters. But if we can clear it out, we can give a place for the bearers to live on their own. And you do that. And then they go, unfortunately, bearers are fucking stupid and they can't grow crops or fight things. And I'm like, wait, I thought that's, you said they were slaves. What were they doing? <laughs> I'm now just fucking curious. Were they UPS workers? <laughs> Well, they use their wind magic to dry laundry. They use their ice magic to preserve food. They use their fire magic to run um, hearths. Hearth. Okay, yeah, they did and, that. Yeah, and, everyone did that. And, That's why they have the crystals. And, they, and, and, and that's it, I guess. Um, 
Oh, that was like what the slaves are doing. <laughs> well, the slave, well, the slaves, well, well, they don't give out crystals anymore. So now the new generation of slaves all do that. And there's there's lots of bear slaves everywhere, even though multiple times they're like, yeah, the government keeps taking them to make them soldiers. Yeah, it's so bizarre. It just doesn't, it didn't make any sense to me that the East Pool bearers didn't have any usable skills. Mm -hmm. and they treat them like they're absolute morons. They're like, they can't fight, they can't grow, they can't do anything. They're fucking babies, just bloated babies. This part really annoyed me. Like at first I was like, oh, it's neat. This town, this town's well is a crystal. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And and then you destroy the crystals and I'm like, your well was a crystal and you're in the desert. Why are right. you pretending this town is going to still exist? Right. Like, that you, was, you need to leave. I was going insane at that point because everyone's like, yeah, all the shit stopped working. The world's magic is gone and everything. Anyways, welcome to desert town. How's it going? Yeah, the one like right outside the desert crystal you break is like everything implies that the town should have been basically wiped out. Yeah. And then the side quest are still just there. It's just normal. Right. That was, <laughs> that was once again, the third of the three quest lines I uh -huh. finished where it's like, we need to get together over this bigotry, which all of them basically end with time to stop being a bigot. Yeah. Everyone, every time it's just like they do it. Uh, that drove me insane. <laughs> it, it feels like they have the lowest opinion of Americans possible. Like that's really how it comes off. It's like, this is... This is like a child's version of this story. Again, M fucking rated. Why are we doing the, oh no, they know I'm a bear and now everyone is racist towards me. Oh no, I helped protect the town and now racism is solved. Yeah, like, it's like what you the can, fuck? You it, can't just talk them out of being racist and they do it. The thing is they don't even do it. Clive goes beats up 10 monsters or enemies on a hill and then they stop being racist. Mm -hmm. Well, there were other monsters we didn't see that the town people together. Yeah, every time of. there's always another every battle time. somewhere else where people are having agency and doing a thing and, and you never get to see that. You're always just Clive on his own on a hill, nowhere near anyone fighting 10 monsters. And it got to a point with this where I'm like Saturday morning cartoons did a better job of doing this exact paper thin arc of racism makes people sad. You know what I thought was interesting because it implied like a whole element to this, these societies that they never really go into. The side, the, the chain of side quests with the blacksmith when you go back to his town mm -hmm. and you give them the bellows that Sid created so they could do blacksmithing again. Yeah. That shirt, like the implication of, oh, having magic like made technology backwards. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. they, they don't have to develop new technology because they have magic. But then the game doesn't go into that at all, except well, well Sid made a couple cool things. Yeah, it's kind of like the background noise Mid brings us up a few times, but it's not ever as a central focus. Mm -hmm. All of this stuff we're talking about is why it drives me insane every time I've seen someone who is a very vocal fan about this game being like, yeah, they finished writing two years ago. And I'm like, maybe they shouldn't have. No, they stopped writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. This game feels alarmingly Spartan. Like it feels like Yoshi P while producing was like, okay, we're done with this part now. It Lock it away forever. But yeah. this game still took seven years to make. Mm -hmm. Which COVID so, for two of those, so. True, COVID did throw it for a loop, but it's like, this doesn't, this feels too barren in so many ways for how long it was in development, considering there's a producer who should be good at getting things done. Like, it's just strange how hollow the game is in so many ways.
Yeah, no, that is a really good way to put it. I keep saying the game is practically the himbo of Final Fantasies, but himbos can have charm and charisma. And this is without any Himbos drink that respect women juice. Uh. <laughs> that's, that's true. It's, 16 does not drink that juice. Oh, no, not of wines. Also, while we were listing female characters, uh-huh. uh, we didn't get to the best one in the game who could and should have just replaced Jill and the game would have gone up two points, which is Taria, the doctor at the hideaway. Oh, yeah. There's a great side quest where... Um, or no, I think it's actually a main quest because you're building... I think it's when you're building the ship. You've got the the one section where you've got to split up and you can either go with Gav or you can go with Otto to cr- uh, collect sand. Then later on, you... Because <laughs> it's this game. That's yeah. literal, by the way. Yeah. Uh, th- then you, uh, you can either take Jill or Taria out shopping. And everything in my soul growing up on video games went, this is where you take the main female character on a date and your relationship progresses. Taria. Yeah, so did any yeah. of us choose Jill? I did. Okay, oh, wow. Because wow. was, was I, I, ga- I did the Gav one first. I, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. Like it, like it wasn't substantial. It, I, it felt even less substantial than, ga- than Gav and Clive having a little bro talk God. on that one. We're on Taria. Yeah. It was crazy to me that she got like a full redesign after a time skip and no one else did. Like, mm. like your main characters didn't change at all, except now Five has a scar on his face. Which, can we talk about those scars? <sighs> sure. Be- sure. Because, like, all the curse breakers happen because you took the bearer mark off. Uh-huh. And you, you live in this weird, suspicious, like, anyone could be a bearer. Your neighbor could secretly bear society. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And you have the entire curse breaker group walking around with identical scars. They explain that, that in a side quest, be. Agro. Do they? they expl- not well. Yes, they do. There's not, not a good well, explanation but- for that, so. <laughs> no. Um, could they? Yeah. They, they explain that there is poison in the tattoo ink and as far as they know you can't remove it without killing the bear Taria invented the surgery to remove those successfully without killing people that's and it tr- still has a high mortality that's rate. true but no, do you think like, your I average that. person knows that like literally that's the mainline quest you do for hers where she explains she did the surgery on herself and I'm like you yeah. did what like I picked that from context you, God Tari's badass you did <laughs> open face surgery on yourself Mm-hmm. What a badass! Right? She's um, so cool. But I don't think your average person is going to fucking know that. Your average person is going to be like, they have a Well, they're probably going to know that the, the thing is permanent and you can't take it off or it'll kill you. Okay. I, but, I, 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 I don't know. I, I also just drives me crazy. It's like, a lot of these bears shape. I would never. You have a ch- 100% chance of killing yourself. I'm just imagining Bob with the shittiest, most patchy beard possible. Right. Like, it, it's so frustrating. Like, you're sending these dudes into the combat. If they take one blow to the face, they're dead. That's not useful. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, bearers are simultaneously really valuable because they're free magic that doesn't require a crystal. And simultaneously, they're the least valuable yeah. asset in the world because we have to have this really really bad slavery element that's really shallow and to make Americans clap. Yeah, the the curse breaker, not the curse breakers, the, the group of people that Clive was with at the very beginning of the game, where it's like a squad of high-end mercenaries that are bearers. Everybody's got reptile names. It's super cool. Yeah, that was really neat, and that was extremely vagrant story, and yeah. we never got anything like it again. Yeah. It was weird. As it turns out, the first ten hours of this game are nothing like the rest of this game. It feels like one of those seventh gen games where it's like, and here is the point where everyone stops playing. 
we yeah. don't have to try as hard on the back end of this game. Yeah, I had That's a lot of really seventh how gen it vibes felt. with this because the side missions are of a quality level that I expect a first effort seventh gen game to make its content. Like prototypes, bad content. Infamous is bad content matches up with some of these side quest tiers where it's just like, thanks for getting that dirt. Oh no, a squad of enemies. It's not even the side quests. Like I was I was on my way to Walud mm -hmm. when I died inside. Mm -hmm. Like I, you get to the wall where you gotta do like five fights in a row and like two or three mini bosses with stagger bars. And I got so bored that I realized I just died because I stopped hitting buttons. I just, at some point, I just got so bored of doing this combo again, I, I stopped. And, and I thought that you were gonna bring up, the game will often just inject side missions into the main game in places that do not fit. Right, like we talked yeah. about the mid one already where she goes, it's like, you need to go get dirt. But that happens like every time you get to a new city or new thing, it's like, well, you can't immediately go to the action stage. Do this side quest that is terrible first. So we can give you the badge. Yeah, you need the badge. You know how much yeah, he loves his badges. I'm really curious, like, if I played this game again and didn't do any side content at all, would it, like, average out higher because there's not so much fucking filler? I played a little bit of the Final Fantasy mode, which is the New Game Plus mode. I got up to the Garuda fight and just stopped because doing one of those icon battles more than once is maddening. I found them incredibly boring the first time. Mm. The second time where it's just like, yeah, slightly harder now, but it's still just mash the same three buttons over and over again against a health bar that is insane. Going through seventh gen gaming, you really do get exposed to a lot of this looks pretty, but the actual gameplay of what I'm doing is not in, in, in compelling. So I thought it was just a me thing that like I'm playing those and I'm just kind of bored, but they do look nice. They look nice, but they that, do. that did nothing for me. Honestly, even the first time through the game, I was like, I sure wish this was just a cutscene. It is too long. I like, it is somewhat like Ashra's Rass, where it's like, this sure is yeah. pretty, but oh my God, this is the worst gameplay. The worst. Right, it really is like Ashra's Wrath. Uh, I was gonna say the last time it really impacted me was kind of like the Thanatos one. Mm -hmm. Like you break the first crystal and you get a series of cool events and things, you know, in that first 10-ish yes. hours. Typhoon, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, yeah, you're right, yeah, it is Typhoon. It's Typhoon. Yeah, uh, but you do that and that's really neat visually mm -hmm. and also is a bizarre enemy that has MMO circles appear, which happens <laughs> a lot in this. And I'm like, eh, MMO team, huh? Interesting. <laughs> um, but but real quick, real quick, I want to just pull it back to something you said earlier. You were talking about you had to reverse engineer the realization. You came it from it the other way that you had died. <laughs> I realized that at no level did I enjoy the story of this game because I caught myself for the seventh time in a single sitting with it on Twitter in the <laughs> middle of a cutscene, and I lost the thread. I'm like, wait, shit, where was it? And this is like, that's not how I play games for things like this ever. Right. But the writing is so, so brevity is the soul of wit. This, everything they say in this is six times as long as it needs to be, which is ironic as hell coming from me of all people. But when you have a writer and you do an editing pass, you need to have your characters communicate information and feelings and have it evolve through the conversation to drive things in a certain place. 
This was like a TCP IP protocol exchange between two humans acting as terminals. I am going to send you the packet now. Are you ready to receive the packet? I'm ready to receive the packet. The packet will be six words this length. <laughs> God, yeah, it drove me crazy too. The way I, I kind of like describe it is every character is so two-dimensional, has literally nothing else going on, no hobbies, nothing, literally nothing else to them that I could tell the entire conversation before it happened. Right. I'm walking up to this guy. This is what he, Clive will say. This is what he will say. This is what Clive will say. I can just hit the skip button. It really is like that, though. They're very easy to read it's, because they're so two-dimensional. Yeah, there's nothing else behind them. There wasn't a, like, none of these side quests flesh out anybody, not even Clive. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Like, it would have helped. Like, there's this, there's, there was two things that stuck out in my memories. Oh, they're trying to give Clive a character. They don't follow up on it there's one side quest that's just i got a really fancy bottle of wine would you go tell my three friends i got this fancy bottle of wine and clive's like man i love wine i that i've always heard about that wine i hope he gives me some as part of the reward and it's like we don't go into that at all and then there's the side quest where uh mid is like can you get my scale back the kids took it yeah and and you go and clive like teaches them a lesson but he's also dumb so he doesn't put <laughs> he doesn't put the scales back right together either. And I'm like, that was, that was good. I like that gave him a little bit of character, mm -hmm. but then that's the only one in the entire game that has that. Yeah. The only this other game, thing, this game being so firmly attached to the tone they decided on was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. mm. Like yeah. you can't have a 50 hour long RPG that is as dour as this. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. Cause that's just, it comes off as unnatural. Like nothing right. is this dour for 50 hours. That doesn't make any sense. There are moments where it should be light so we can have like a contrast. Right. You need right. contrast right. in like, your game. I know you didn't put it in the game visually, but you could at least put yeah, it in your you story. you could put it tonally. Like for example, like at, the human experience is finding joy in the smallest, dumbest thing because in the moment it made sense. So like, you could even imagine them just on the hideaway see a fish jump and they're like, okay, the fish jump. <laughs> like, that's anything. No. Uh, Joshua. <laughs> Joshua. To call back to Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X has this theme of like, everybody's ready to die at any time. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they're actually really big on entertainment and fun because yeah. it's like, we're distracting ourselves from the time our life expectancy is like 35. Yeah, and if you build an entire civilization around that, you eventually end up with Florida. <laughs> All that's in this game is the combat. There's not any mini games. There's not no, any there's no side mini activities. Games. This yeah, is the only mainline Final Fantasy I'm pretty sure to have zero mini games. Yeah, like like this is this is an action game that was ruined by trying to sell it to a Final Fantasy audience, and a Final Fantasy setting and cast that was ruined by putting them in an action game. They're even afraid to like make the chokeable. <laughs> part of the game. Which, like he's in a say side that word again. Chocobo. That's the correct vowel to start that word with. I don't know who went into that studio and said, we're going to pronounce it <laughs> Chocobo because I like chocolate, but they need to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because I'm pretty sure in other Final Fantasy games, they even have a character say, no, it's Chocobo, not Chocobo. Yeah, that, the, the Chocolina is right there. <laughs> Is she made of chocolate? Did you know your chocobo can fucking drift? Yeah. I, I heard of it. I hit every button. I've never done I it. I successfully did it once because it's some combination, but it's like, so was there going to be chocobo themed things in this game that just got cut? Were there going to be did, things did, did, in this game? 
Like I, what? <sighs> like they don't play dice or anything at the fucking hideaway. They just drink. Everybody mm -hmm. day drinks. That's the only fucking hobby you're allowed to have at the hideaway. Hey, by the way, on a, on a slightly related note, why can I, why do I get fifteen thousand magic ash and have nowhere to put them? Any of them? Was this game supposed to have like a base building element at some point where I gave resources and money and the the hideout changed? Was there supposed to be anything to do with money? Anything at all. They don't have economies that you build up and expend in order to have enjoyment. They don't even have MP. No. Like at every level in this game, they did not build systems to make that happen as, you know, stress and release. Like that doesn't exist in this game at any level. It's so confounding how this game works behind the scenes. Like every level I got, which I was level 40s or 50s by the end, 50 health, in two to three points in every stat. It changes at no point, but getting levels gets harder. Like, yeah. You leveled up. This is a linear game. Like, yeah, here's I your mean, new sword. Here's your new wrist thing. Here's your new belt. E even when you go fight random enemies, they don't give you any experience, basically. It's basically impossible to level up outside of that, except for hunts. Yes, because the ex the experience distribution is insanely different. It's like, oh, you killed you killed a giant enemy that took forever. That's 200. You killed an enemy that took 10 seconds. That's 100. Yeah, I don't and get it. You do a mainline story thing and you get 2,500. And then on top of that, you were talking about, Bob, you checked out the arcade mode yesterday mm -hmm. and it just hard sets your level to whatever it expects at that point in time, which is how the whole game basically works anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because your level truly doesn't have an impact. Which would be somewhat forgivable if it gave you like experience at the end of it and like, here, this is for the main game. But not, right. you get a, a score. It's like, who cares? Just playing these missions and not dying gets me an S. And the scoring system's bad. I don't know what you what I could do to get less than an ass. Now, Bob, they're going to be wondering in the comment section, was that hyperbole? No, it was not. So you got an S by just not dying. Basically. Didn't you do an A and you died like during several parts of an icon battle or something? Yeah, I died at the very last three missions and like three sets of enemies in that battle. And I got or an A. There's like... 13 at least missions I got zero points from because I died. Yeah, I saw that results board and it was like zero, 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 and then three things that had a number and it was like, hey, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Who is this why, for? Why, why are you pretending you made an action game? You didn't do that either. I'm sorry. You didn't make something I, that I can even like identify as a stylish action game. My thought is that system had to be built so they could test the action modes in a reasonable manner anyway. Mm -hmm. And then they thought, well, let's just make it accessible by the user to get to replay that. Maybe they'll be interested in that was their thought. And the answer was not really. Yeah, it's also bizarre because it's not a good way to replay the game either because you don't get the final cutscene. You get all the cutscenes leading up to like the very beginning of it mm -hmm. and all the stuff in between. But when you beat the final boss of that arcade mission, it just ends. So you you finally get Bahamut down, uh -huh. and then it just goes. You're not going to see any of the important cutscenes that happened right then. Exactly. Which there's also the stage replay mode, which I have not played. Maybe that shows you that. Okay. I kind of doubt it, but maybe. I mean, I, I bet it. I bet. I'm pretty sure it does. I've heard people talk about it doing that. So in Final Fantasy 14, the way you play harder versions of some things. Mm -hmm. is you talk to this guy who's a traveling bard and he's like, let me sing you the story of this great battle. I'm going to make shit up that's going to make it harder. Nice. <laughs> that sure would have been a nice like flavor thing or character thing to add to like the Final Fantasy mode or any yeah. of this. Yeah, instead you have a bard in your hometown that has new songs to sing once in a while, but that's about it. 
Well, I think we need to start wrapping this up. I need to ask a question that has not been asked yet because I worry the answer is too grim. Does anyone have anything positive they want to say that they really like about this game or would like to at least point a light at? I really like most of the supporting cast in this game. They're great. Blackthorn, Lady Karen, Taria, Mid, um, Goots, basically everybody at the hideaway. I love these characters. I wish they were in a better game that used them. There's a whole Final Fantasy party sitting around in this hideaway not being used while you take Jill and the dog. <laughs> I love a lot of the material design and the costume design um, like they're for, for a fantasy game, except for being huge. A lot of the weapon design is very, like not historical, but realistic, mm -hmm. except for Clive for some reason. <laughs> he just has the biggest sword. <laughs> It's all the same sword and over and over. And like some of them are like interestingly realistic and some of them are like Final Fantasy weird. And some of them are, I dropped some resin on the floor and it hardened and <laughs> gonna call that a sword. Yeah. There's great character design. A lot of these environments are beautiful. Like that first fallen area is actually really, really interesting. It's like, wow, man, if, if the later Aliens movies were good, this is what they would look like. <laughs> There's a lot of great stuff in this game that was wasted on the rest of this game. Yeah, I do feel like some of the environmental art in the action sequences does look really great. I wish the performance, because we didn't even talk about the like, frame rate, is yeah. just incredibly awful. Sometimes it doesn't even... Sucks. I, I want the PC version of this to be good, and that feels like real moonshot, because right. if you can't get your performance this like sober at all on a PS5, what are your hopes getting it locked on PC? Mm -hmm. I think that's it, though. I, like... The way I describe it is, normally when I come out of a game, and I'm not giving it up in those all games should fit in the top three digits section, it's usually because there were some great things and there were some bad things or just kind of not great things, and that weighed it out. There, for, for me, there are no great things in this game. There's no part where I'm just like, that was incredible, and I love that, and I'm going to talk about this ever again. Once this video is over, I will basically have no reason to talk about Final Fantasy 16 again, which is weird because I feel like every other Final Fantasy that has ever been had a reason and an impact and a personality to talk about. Nobody tells the tale of the one boring guy they met at a gas station. So for me, there's nothing. Bob, is there? Yeah, I don't really think there's anything in here I'm going to want to think about like like I said at the beginning there's nothing here for me even the parts where I was like I can respect it for what it's doing I didn't like it mm. so it's really frustrating like it doesn't feel like it hits anything that I want from a Final Fantasy I don't think these big battles are cool I think the normal battles are just boring mm -hmm. and the story is just a mess as we've been over this whole video of like Clive is hardly a person yeah. And he's the only character in this game, basically. Everything's seen through him. Yeah. Uh, Chris. I think, like, the first act of this game is really great. It sets up really well. Sid's there and has a lot of charisma. It ends on the really strong uh, Typhon fight where 
Like, I was excited. I'm like, okay, this controls a lot better than the Garuda fight. I feel I don't know why the Garuda one controls worse than every other one of these in the game. Obviously, they'll continue escalating. And then the story turned off for a little while. And then we got brought back up to that level by the Titan fight again. I'm like, this is really cool. I hope there's a couple more of these. And I still think the Bahamut and ending fights were cool from a spectacle sense. And I think the music in this game, when they allow Soken to do something other than make 15 variants of the prelude theme, which this game had like 15 versions of it. Yeah, I don't doubt it. When he gets to flex a little bit, like with the Titan song, I'm, I think that's great. I think this game has a lot of great music. And whenever Clive and Joshua are alone and talking, sometimes it gets pretty all right. It feels like the game really should have been about them as siblings. I yeah, I feel rather like rather than whatever else the game was considering they're in the logo. Yeah, like I don't think they they got a really great moment until the very last part of the game when he's carrying Joshua through the like hallway of microwaves like from Metal Gear Solid. Uh, and Joshua's coughing up and then Clive's like, hey, should we stop? And he's like, we're past that, Clive. <laughs> that was the only good character moment for them, but in like felt like the whole game it was crazy other than that it's like i wanted a, a cast of fleshed out characters with great designs i didn't get that i wanted a really memorable story i didn't get that the villain is just the villain from final fantasy tactics yeah so like other than like if if you don't want to do any side quests if you don't do any side quests you're like i just want to see big cool things maybe this will hit for you that's not good enough for a Final Fantasy for me. Well, we're talking about Ultima. Yeah. I was comparing to Orochimaru early on because he, he just wants to steal Clive's body. Yeah. He loves Clive's body. What, Why wouldn't he? What killed me? The ultimate conclusion of the game. Ultima's whole goal is to use Clive's body because it will not explode from using the magic spells. Mm -hmm. Like everyone else on the planet. Yeah. Clive has the capacity. And then it does anyway. To make us sad, I guess. It, it's the most, like, just out of nowhere, like, the entire game was about this not happening. <laughs> Even Clive's like, well, I guess not. Oh, well. Maybe the, maybe it was like, well, if you use this power selfishly, you'll survive. But Clive <laughs> wanted to make things better for everyone, which was a bigger spell usage. I mean, so we can I mean, have the, the really lame ending of the kids playing and us seeing that the whole thing was a book that Joshua wrote. Called Final Fantasy, yeah. This really was our Final Fantasy throws sword. That pissed me off. <sighs> Fuck that. It was so you bad. You didn't fucking it... earn a name drop oh like that, you God. fucking assholes. No. I'm going to sneak in one thing I actually do want to highlight before we wrap this up with scores and everything. Hey, you remember that scene in the desert pub? remember the soldiers being behind them and Uncle Byron not shutting the fuck up and you know you got the ninja and Joshua in the other room and there's camera work and there's stakes and there's like a, a, an interesting amount of even the person running the the counter the waitress has a person that scene's really good mm -hmm. I would have liked more of that Just why was that in this game that was weird points of life <laughs> scattered in this bleak bog that I genuinely, I think that's one of my favorite things in the game because you realize Uncle Byron really is an out of touch, rich, white asshole. So good. Yes. <laughs> so good.
Well, that's that's gonna do it. Let's uh, go ahead and uh, wrap this up. Once again, you need to do your summary statements, which we've said a lot of things multiple times, but just a few sentences saying exactly how you feel about the game overall, and then your score out of 10. And we're gonna go ahead and start with Chris. I didn't hate playing this game. I got tired of it by the end. I'm probably never gonna think about it ever again. It hits it like the level of like a totally disposable, slightly below the top tier Sony exclusive. I'm I'm gonna like the best I can do is a seven. Like I didn't hate the I didn't hate it while playing it. I get got a little sick of it at the end. It's not gonna stick with me. That's it. It's a seven. It's like the most seven seven to have ever existed. <laughs> Aggro. This game feels like somebody dropped it and all of the levers got pushed a little bit. If you just made a few tweaks here and there, this thing could really come together into something beautiful. But as it is, it, it, it takes a lot of really cool design choices and characters and shoves them into this fucking cheese grater of a game structure that is not good and it's so sad that a game i enjoyed this much for like the first half i started screaming during the final boss fight i already fought this motherfucker i don't want to do it again <laughs> <laughs> and when your game makes me hate having to push the buttons that bad by the end of it you it's it's horrible that you ruined something that good it's i've got to break it in half at a five bob yeah, as I've said before, there's really nothing I can say that I like about this game. I honestly think it's the worst soundtrack in the franchise. I haven't played 14. Maybe that's somehow worse. <laughs> I'm going to scoot away from Bob now. <laughs> no, because a lightning bolt might hit him? Or <laughs> I think that the character designs are the weakest they've ever been. I think this combat is just brain dead. There's no other way to put it. If I had one word to describe the whole game, it would be boring. Yeah. And that's not something I want to do for 50 hours. It was grueling by the end of playing this. I'm going to give it a three. I feel like it sits down there with Days Gone. There are things I like about Days Gone more, though. So it's right alongside. Yeah, those are fascinatingly ups, ups bad and in different ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned in the intro, um, I legitimately came into this expecting this to be on my top 10 games of the year. Mm-hmm about 20 or so hours in, I had to have the very serious, sobering conversation with myself of, should I just stop? Because it was clearly not going to get better at any point, because if they had ideas for what to do with any of that, they would have done them by then. Yeah. We seriously just moment after moment of, Clive should have neurons connect and reflect on the things that have happened and change. And it just, it was really heartbreaking almost how much of a change that was for my outlook at the beginning. Because the demo does set up really well. There are a lot of characters and things happening, a lot of intrigue, a lot of things you don't know in the beginning that you expect a lot from and nothing really happens. The core gameplay, I think, is absolutely rotten and absolutely boring. It's crazy how flat and unremarkable this game is overall. I have to give it a four. The most condemning thing I can say is at least with Forspoken, I had synapses light up of 
this is what it's doing? Okay. Whereas <laughs> this, it was so forecast, nothing changed at any point, which is both good and bad. For example, it's good that Final Fantasy 16 doesn't have a moment like Forspoken where they throw a lever and you skip an entire fourth of the game you were expecting. I, I don't know. At some point, near the end of that game, I would have appreciated them skipping a fourth of it. Yeah, if we could throw that, like, we need to go to Walud to fight Odin. Crank! <laughs> Odin, I'm here to fight you! I, oh my god. It, I wish Walud were a place and not just a dead island. Instead of a dead island, they're like, everyone here died, and I'm like, yeah, did they live in buildings? <laughs> Running across that whole open world area, hey Joshua, do you want to do any of this extra content and make the game longer? No. No, Clive, I don't. 